Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Wednesday, March 23rd. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Countless women have left their mark on the St. Louis area over the years, like entrepreneur Annie Malone, says historian Katie Moon. Her empire just kept expanding, not just in St. Louis, but all over the world. And at one point she was, she employed over 75,000 women. We'll have a conversation about the women who shaped St. Louis history in just a few minutes. Volunteers who help homeless people say many of the United Way's 211 operators do not know where to send those seeking help. That line received nearly 16,000 requests last year for shelter in the region. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. Finding shelter for people during their winter months and in the evenings is challenging for 211 workers and homeless service volunteers who call the hotline. St. Louis relies on smaller shelters, but those shelters have a limited number of beds. Audrey Yeomans is a St. Louis University student and volunteer who helps homeless people. She doesn't recommend calling 211 in the evenings or on weekends, but that's when homeless people need help the most. It's easier and more sustainable to not have a place to go during the day than it is that night. Um, everyone wants a safe space to sleep. Yeoman says she's frustrated with 211 because operators often tell her to call back when they can't accommodate her request. I'm Andre Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. The Illinois Senate has passed a bill that pays employers to hire those in recovery from mental illness or substance abuse. It's now in the House. The proposal establishes a task force to make sure the benefits of the initiative also go to people of color. Judd DeLoss is the CEO of the Illinois Association for Behavioral Health. The trade association is promoting the bill. The data uh, demonstrates, you know, for instance, uh, the opioid epidemic, uh, some of the the suicide statistics as well have demonstrated that uh, communities of color have been hardest hit uh, by those epidemics. If Illinois adopts the recovery tax credit, employers would get $1 back in taxes for every hour they pay qualified employees. The state would hand out a maximum of $2 million in these credits per year. Residents in the Normandy Schools Collaborative will have the opportunity to vote for school board members for the first time in eight years. As St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports, it's an important step toward full accreditation for the district. At a forum Monday night, candidates for Normandy's board laid out their plans for getting the provisionally accredited district back on track. For the past eight years, the district has had a state-appointed governing board. But this year, the community will elect two members directly as the state begins to move the district back to local control. Board President William Humphrey says this is a historic event. It's a very good thing when you can get to a point where your school board members are elected and then they become a very active part of the community in which they live and they're helping to direct the education of the children within this footprint. School board elections in Missouri are on April 5th. I'm Kate Grumke. St. Louis Public Radio. A proposal to ease rules on adding electric vehicle charging stations to parking lots has received preliminary approval by the St. Louis County Council. A measure passed last year required new construction projects in certain areas to also add the stations. That measure also covers major remodels, reconstruction of parking lots, and businesses that come under new ownership. It was in anticipation of an expected increase in electric vehicle use. 
but critics say the cost for property owners was driving away new investment. There is a new leader for one of the largest employers in the St. Louis region, Centene, has named Sarah London chief executive officer. She succeeds Michael Nydorf, who has been on a medical leave of absence. Generations of women have shaped St. Louis history, from entrepreneurs to union activists. But you won't find much about them in history books. For Women's History Month, St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan spoke with historian Katie Moon about influential St. Louis women. Moon says one of the most noteworthy was abolitionist Mary Meacham. She is a fascinating character, and I wish that we knew a lot more about her. What we've been able to piece together, though, is is pretty incredible. So she was born into slavery. She was born enslaved, and it was her husband, John Barry Meacham, who actually founded the first African-American Baptist church in St. Louis in the 1820s. He bought her freedom when they got married. Both he and she were really committed to educating African-Americans. But at that point, laws kept getting stricter and stricter about teaching African-Americans to read and write. And so the Meachams opened up, and this is actually urban legend, they opened a steamboat school. Missouri was a slave state, Illinois was free, and so the Mississippi River was kind of this neutral zone. And if anybody came after them, they could head to the Illinois side and be fine. But the next record we have of her is in the mid-1850s, and she was actually active with the Underground Railroad in the St. Louis area. And we know that because she was arrested. So we have her arrest records and newspaper records that she was active in the Underground Railroad. So one person who isn't necessarily a household name, Mm. but who was very influential in labor organizing was Fanny Sellins. Yes. I'm curious how she moved from being a worker to being a union activist. Absolutely. Yeah. Fanny Sellins is one of those mysterious characters. And so many of these women, I'm ashamed to say, I'd never heard of. And she was one of those. Her husband was a garment worker. He died. And so she had to figure out what she was going to do. She had four children, and so she ended up working at a garment factory. We know that unions were kind of up and coming at that point, and she was just that person who was willing to stand up and had some leadership capability and started fighting not just for herself but for the other women and men that she was working with. And so we don't have a diary. We don't have, you know, a step-by-step of how that happened. We just know that at some point she was representing 400 workers to get them better wages and better hours and all sorts of different things. It wasn't like she had somebody else that she could look at and say, that's who I want to emulate. It was very much a, this needs to happen and I'm going to figure out how that works. I don't think that we could really talk about influential St. Louis women without mentioning Annie Malone, which yeah. is obviously she's a very well-known woman in St. Louis and For an sure. entrepreneur. Can you tell me more about who she was and, and sort of how she rose into prominence in St. Louis? Yeah. It's amazing how many of these stories began with women trying to find a way to support themselves despite their circumstances. And she was one of those women. She started in, I believe, Illinois, 
and created this hair care product. She worked with other local African-American women and did door-to-door sales, and that kept growing. So she was she was making all of this money, and she decided to build what she ended up calling Poro College in the Ville neighborhood. And it was her manufacturing plant. It was where she shipped everything out of. But it was also the center of the black community at that time. And she created it specifically for that purpose. It had a cafeteria. It had a hotel, an auditorium. And at that time, lots of entertainment venues and hotels and things in St. Louis were segregated. So if Josephine Baker came to St. Louis, she could perform somewhere, but she couldn't find a hotel to stay at. And so this provided that place. And so her her empire just kept expanding, not just in St. Louis, but all over the world. And at one point, she was she employed over 75,000 women across the world. So you think about that at the turn of the century is pretty incredible. That was historian Katie Moon speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan. Shulin Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.